What is going on, Ditch the Job listeners? Mark Birdie here. And when it comes to that career that we have, it can either be really exciting or very dull. And the work that we do, I mean, if you're like most people, like, you know, the 888 model, like work, sleep, play, that's a third of your life, at least on your career. And you want to make sure you're excited and you're happy during that time. So that's why in this episode, we're going to talk about how do we create an exciting career for ourselves. This is going to be focused more on young professionals, but anyone of any age can really benefit from this episode. So our guest who joins us today is a marketer and business strategist with extensive experience in businesses of many different sizes and industries. He consults with small businesses to develop their strategies and scale their operations operations across various industries and his new book harness your butterflies helps young professionals create an exciting career for themselves so our guest who joins us is none other than benjamin preston benjamin welcome to the show thank you it's great to be here Benjamin, it is a pleasure to have you on Ditch the Job. And part of ditching your job is you just don't enjoy it and you want to move on to something new. Now, I know that's not true for everyone. Some people, they want to modify, but there is this goal for all of us to have this exciting career, to do the work that we love. But there are so many people who feel like they are stuck where they are. They just have to keep paying the bills and not really think about that type of stuff. So how can we start to think about an exciting career for ourselves and move towards it? Yeah, I think so. When I first started out in my career, I had this, this notion of like, you're supposed to follow a certain career path and that's supposed to be fulfilling to you. And it was based on so many conditions, like what cities you're living in or how much you're making or what your role is or things like that. Like it's very conditional. And for me, I never found that to be fulfilling. I never found that to be exciting. Like right out of college, I got a full-time job in New York City, which was exciting. I was making like more than all of my classmates were. I was, you know, like perfect life, had great friends, all this stuff. And I still wasn't feeling fulfilled. I had, you know, the typical quarter life crisis. And I, I kind of come to a realization that a lot of what people anticipate working as a young professional is going to be like is not the reality. Um, one of the things that I, that I kind of, one of the things that I learned um, along my journey is that your happiness and your excitement for your career is a choice. It's something that you kind of have to decide and say, this is what I'm going to do. Um, so that was kind of the start. And then I ended up writing a book about it, which I mean, we'll have that book in the show notes. I definitely do recommend you guys pick up your copy, but when it comes to, society. I feel like society sets up a plan for us. For a lot of people, it's go to school, go to college, get good grades, get your degree, and then use that and figure out the wizardry of that degree to get money. But when you do that without really thinking, because some people, they go to college, they get the degree, they do their master's, they do all the things that actually lead up to their job. But I think that's just the minority of people like you don't really a lot of people don't really think about that type of stuff right away and it's really important to create our own plan and do the things we want to do so how do we branch out from the plans that society has for us or the things that we're supposed to do according to people who aren't us how do we do that yeah i so the biggest thing for me is deciding that you want to put happiness and fun first. Cause I think a lot of people forget that we're, we're here to have fun. We're here to 
create. We're here to do really interesting things. So making that choice and then making the plan of, you know, what are my strengths? What are the things that I'm interested in? How do I, and then once you kind of have that plan, you say, so let's say, you know, for example, for me, I was always really good at writing. I was always really good at communicating. One of the things that was a natural flow for me was, wait, let me write a book. Let me do all this communication and try to elevate the way that people are thinking about their careers. But that's one of the things that people, no matter what age you are, but I think it's especially helpful for young professionals because you're not taught those skills in school of, hey, I need to look at my strengths and figure out what I'm good at as opposed to force-fitting what, what am I supposed to do. So in my case, I'm really good at communication. I'm really good at you know, strategy and research and like all of the different strengths that I have. And I thought, oh, well, in that case, let me get a job in communications and marketing. But it's not necessarily a one-for-one. One. I think people try to force-fit themselves into a job as opposed to looking at their strengths and finding out what jobs, they should, what jobs should be seeking them. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people move into entrepreneurship because you have that freedom and that ability to kind of create the job that you want. Um, but to me, when you start looking at the plan and actually figuring out how you want to do that, it starts with your strengths. Um, and a lot of people say like, oh, I need to fix my weaknesses. I need to figure out what I'm not good at and try to improve that. But when you look at the, the famous people of the world, like none of those people are known for their weaknesses. They're known for what they're really, really good at. One example would be Steve Jobs. I know he's like the iconic example, but like, in, in most every organization, people hate working with micromanagers. They hate it. Like you don't want to work with a jerk. You don't want to work with somebody who is constantly hovering over you. And he was the definition of a micromanager. Um, but I think what's really interesting is that was the thing that he was really good at. And he was really good at setting that vision to say, this is the standard. This is the bar. This is what we're trying to work toward. And his team lined up right behind him. And I think the, the rest of the world appreciated it because now we have, you know, iPhones and Macs and iPads and all the stuff that would not have existed otherwise. Um, but yeah, I mean, it starts, it starts with your strengths. Once you kind of make the decision of saying, you know, I'm, I, my happiness comes first. I, let me figure out what I'm good at. And then opportunities just start popping up everywhere. When you start looking at it that way, as opposed to let me find a job that fits what I want to do. It's, you know, let me figure out what, what attributes that I enjoy in a position or what attributes that I like in my job. And then a lot of the job opportunities will come to you. And it's really important to get that point. So many people, they think they have to fix their weaknesses. They have to fix the things that they feel like is wrong with them, but you have to accept the fact that you're going to have weaknesses. Like, I feel like so many people think that if it's a weakness, it's something they have to improve. And there are some areas, like if it's something like communication skills mm -hmm. and you are a public speaker, then yeah, improve your communication skills. Yeah. But if it's a weakness that doesn't really line up too much with the type of path you want to have, like maybe let's say you're not good at sports, but you want to be a musician then you don't have to build up the sports. I know these are like distant examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know some people will say something more of a, oh, I'm good at the marketing side, but I'm not good at the product creation side. So that's something where it's more like both of those are business. Then you find people who already have the products and you do the marketing for them. Maybe you do an affiliate marketing. Maybe you get hired by companies. But when you've doubled down on your strengths, you become more recognized or those trends and the work becomes more enjoyable because fixing those weaknesses that can really take some of the excitement away from the work. Mm -hmm. If it's a weakness, you're just forcing yourself to fix. Yeah. And what, and what I found was a lot of weaknesses 
it, it's, it's really hard to ignore them because people like to point out your weaknesses, especially when you start doing really well. You have a ton of people around you who are like, you could do this better or this is not really your strong suit. Or, you know, you have tons of people who throw, I don't want to say negativity because some of it's critical feedback and that you need to know. But it's a lot of times people just trying to just tell you what you do wrong. And at least for me, like when I started out, there was a ton of people being like, you need to do this better. You need to do this better. You need to do this better. And it, I, that was the part that weighed me down. I was just like, well, I don't want to work and do this anymore if I'm not like somebody. I did a presentation once when I first started out early on in my career. Um, I did an interview and they were just like, you said, um, a lot. Or you and now people are going to know that I'm saying, um, all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, the say, moment you, know, you say, um, the first time it's yeah, like, people are gonna be like I'm counting. Yeah. So, but they'll say, you know, you get tons of people that say that you're not good at stuff and that's what you pay attention to because you don't want to open yourself up for that vulnerability. And what I, what I have found and what I talk about in the book, I don't know if you've heard of Brene Brown, but she talks a lot about vulnerability, um, in this way of like, people don't, people will always throw stones at you and they'll always tell you what you're not good at. And it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of bravery to step up and actually do the things that you love doing because people aren't always going to be happy with it. If you look at, you know, well, let's, let's stick with this example of if I'm, if I play basketball because my parents want me to play basketball, but I really am interested in music, you're, you're never going to succeed and you're never going to be happy. But if you are not wanting to be vulnerable and have courage and say, you know what, I'm going to actually be a musician. You're never really going to have an exciting career, no matter how many basketball games you win at the end of the day. And I, I want to build up more on that because I feel like there are people who they know what they really want to do, but they're not doing it because of social pressure, because mm -hmm. of money. So it's one thing to know the leap that you want to make. It's something else to actually take that leap. How do we go from knowing what leap we want to take mm -hmm. to then actually taking that leap? Yeah. So I, I have been doing a lot of um, like philosophy reading recently, which is, it's just interesting to me, um, the way that people process the world. I think we, people view every move that they make that needs to be some leap of faith or it needs to be some giant jump, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do it and this is going to be it. And I'm like, from what I found, you always kind of want to be slightly uncomfortable, but I would never recommend that someone just make a, make a totally like, gut-wrenching decision on a whim like that stuff takes a lot of time and in that time you have a lot of opportunity to build up toward the things that you want to do so for me like writing this book and took a lot of energy for me and it wasn't something that I did overnight but as you're seeing like you're having interviews there's a lot of like stuff that takes place before and building up the courage and the energy to actually make that change is never easy but if you're able to set yourself up incrementally, you're never going to have that moment of like, well, you'll always kind of feel like you're going to fail, but it's never going to be something where it's so overwhelming that you're, that you feel like you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed. Um, and that's like, for me, obviously I still work full time. And so I have a full time job. I have another, my, my other side business. And then I'm kind of treating, you know, my public speaking and my corporate sort of strategy work as a third business. So for me, it's kind of, spreading spreading all of my sort of talents and abilities across the board and trying not to make myself go too thin but eventually the the goal will be i can stop working full-time i'll be able to or stop working full-time for someone else 
start working full time for myself and then kind of building up and creating more exciting, uh, creating more of an exciting career for myself. And I think that's kind of the switch for me is like you, if you, if you're looking to make an exciting career change or you're looking to create something exciting, a lot of people will think, oh, I need to make an impact in the, in the world. So I'm going to quit my great paying corporate job and move to a nonprofit where I make no money. And you don't get fulfillment out of that. You don't get a lot of, I mean, you don't get any money out of that either, but you don't get, you don't get as much fulfillment as you feel like you're going to get. And I think a lot of that is there's a misconception or like a flawed premise that people think that these dramatic changes in life are the key to happiness. And really, in my eyes, it's you kind of need to be happy first and then make the change that you're wanting to make. So if you're going and you're working corporate and you decide I'm going to, and I do, I mean, I'm a full, I love entrepreneurs. I think they make the world go around. I think innovators are fantastic. Um, but innovators don't like you need to come a lot of that innovation, a lot of that creativity comes from a place of happiness. So if you're quitting a job and saying, you know, everything is going to be better when I do, when I do my own thing, it's like, you bring all that baggage with you and your innovation, your creativity isn't going to be as great as, you know, if you're still feeling that burden and that unhappiness from your corporate job. But yeah, so I hope, I don't know if that answered your question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that gives a great idea. I think part of the big takeaway there is happiness in the moment because so many people, Mm -hmm. they peg their happiness onto something. So when I make X amount of dollars and then, you just keep pegging happiness as something further away, something that uh, it represents a status or a goal that you don't have yet. So being able to have happiness in the moment allows you to achieve that success and have the buildup. It's never something dramatic that happens. It's something that when you look back, it'll definitely feel dramatic if you told this to yourself five years in the past but it's nothing dramatic in the real time as you're going forward. And it is something that just builds up. But having that happiness is so vital and thinking smart too. I mean, some people, maybe they want to make the money and they want to do the nonprofit or work for a nonprofit, Mm -hmm. I should say. And maybe you find the objective where you're able to make money doing your entrepreneurial thing or you work somewhere full time and then you do, maybe you volunteer, maybe you serve some hours and that could be how you achieve that goal. So part of it is also being creative to have that exciting and career and life that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and actually, as you were talking about that too, I, I had two quotes that I put in the book, but I wanted to mention here because I think they're so interesting. So this idea of happiness and career fulfillment, a lot of it is based on conditions. So like, if my boss treated me better, I would be happier. If my coworker wasn't such a, you know, micromanager, everything would be better. Or if I got to work on that project, everything would be fine. And it's like, you can continue to argue and say, you know, this person needs to act a certain way for me to be happy and the world will never, you will find unhappiness everywhere you go. Um, But two quotes that I actually that I put in the book that, that have a lot, um, a lot to do with this topic. One of them was from Maya Angelou. And I, I hope I get the quote somewhat right. I'll, I'll try to get the sentiment, but I don't know if this is going to be the exact quote. It was something along the lines of, you know, if you're unhappy, change, change the conditions. And if you're unable to change the conditions, change your mindset about the conditions, because some things you'll never be able to change. Like, sometimes my family drives me nuts, I will never be able to leave my family. So I need to be happy, regardless of how they treat me type of thing. Um, The other quote was um, from Warren Buffett, 
who I'm like, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska originally. So I see Buffett's name all over the buildings. Like when I was growing up, I would see his name everywhere. So I have, I have a soft place in my heart for Buffett. Um, but he was talking about stock trading and he, people were asking him like, how are you so successful? And it was some, he had his, his response basically was, um, if you are constantly emotional and reactive, you're not going to be getting very far in the world versus if you're, if you're steady and you don't let your emotions control how you behave, that's, that, that will get you a lot further. So in his example, if one day he's feeling scared, he's not just going to go and sell all of his assets for no reason. He's going to say, you know what, let me think this through. Let me be logical. Let me get centered before I actually jump in and start selling things. And then that way, I think a lot of people could, could use that in their careers too, instead of just jumping ship and saying, okay, I'm done. You kind of need to figure out what are the things that what are the things that you want in a position? What are the attributes that you want? So you want stability, you want freedom, you want, you know, the ability to collaborate, you want all this stuff and try to, to not let the negative things or the things that you view as not helpful, not letting those get in the way of what you're trying to do. Cause I think a lot of people will look at the conditions and they say, this condition isn't right. I don't have enough money. I don't all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, you might not have enough money, but you're in an area in the world or a time. I mean, if, if you're listening to this in the US, you're for certain, like one of the most blessed people in the world, um, in terms of finances, like ability to get finance and things like that. But this is an unprecedented time, an unprecedented time in the world. In order for me to start my business, all I needed to do was buy a GoDaddy URL and, and a computer, a Word, Microsoft Word to write my book. Like, you there's a lot of barriers and people can always argue for their limitations but i think being able to create an exciting career starts with looking at opportunities and then you'll be able to find things that follow from there and it's really interesting how you do have some barriers to entry but they're a lot less than what they used to be and i like both the quotes you mentioned the warren buffett quote i mean mm-hmm. when you really think things out not think emotionally but think long term like my big thing is if you're pursuing a new project like a youtuber and instagram give mm-hmm. yourself a six to 12 month window to see if it's working rather than the two to three week window most people give themselves uh having that long-term focus is going to be vital for having that exciting career that you want another thing that's going to help you guys out a lot is to get your copy of harness your butterflies which is benjamin's book you will have that link in the show notes is there any other place you want us to go to keep following your work and journey? So I do, um, I, I post on Instagram. It's usually just pictures of my <laughs> pictures of like my day in the life. So that's maybe helpful. I do post some quotes I think that are really interesting. Um, so my handle on Instagram is at Benny J live. Um, and then I also have a YouTube channel. If you go onto YouTube and type in Benjamin Preston, I should be um, the first one that pops up. But a lot of that is leadership advice. Um, so I, I recently did a video on how to, how to manage or how to create a positive work culture with remote teams. Cause that's a thing that a lot of business people struggle with, especially if you're new to managing remote teams, it's kind of hard to create that culture. Um, a lot of management tips, a lot of sort of, you know, psychology of leader type things. So, um, yeah, my YouTube channel, there's a lot of great content on there as well. We will have all those links down in the show notes. Make sure you guys check all those resources out. Follow Benjamin and his work. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you, Benjamin, for coming on this episode of Ditch the Job. Thank you. It was great to be here.